Welcome to the Sunday morning podcast from Kingdom Faith Church in Crawley. This message is by Clive Urquhart. You meet with us, we meet with you. We thank you, Jesus, that the truth of who you are overcomes every lie of the enemy every deception of the enemy, every accusation of the enemy. Father, we thank you for your word last week. Don't leave any rooms, don't leave any room for lies. And I just believe this morning, before we get into the word, that God wants to do a couple of things in different people's lives to enable you to actually be able to receive and hear from him this morning. And one of the things I believe God was saying from last week was, for some of you, the enemy's been lying, saying that you won't get healed. Whether that's physical healing, whether that's an emotional thing, or whether mentally, you need something to happen. I believe God was saying, or is saying in, for this morning, the truth of who He is, that He is your healer, that He is your healing right now, and that we're gonna take hold of the power of the truth of who He is to overcome every lie of the enemy that says you won't be healed. We know that's a lie from the enemy because when Jesus went to the cross, he took every sickness, physical, mental, emotional, he took every need to the cross. Anything that could separate us from God, anything that could hinder our relationship with him, anything that seeks to destroy our lives in any way, shape or form. Jesus took all of those things to the cross. And so we take hold of the truth. We take hold of the power of who He is to appropriate that by faith right now into our lives. So the truth of who He is overcomes the facts, overcomes any circumstances. So there's that healing First of all, the other thing I believe God wants to do right now is some of you, the enemy's been lying, saying you won't be free. You can't get free. But we know again, that's a lie from the enemy because Jesus, again, on the cross, took everything that could hinder our lives so that we could be free from those things, so that we could be free from the lies of the enemy, free from guilt, free from shame, free from grief. And so together, let's agree, wherever you are now, you take hold of the truth of who Jesus is in your own life. And I'll agree with you. Let's agree together. We're going to take authority now over sickness. 
We're going to take authority over the lies of the enemy. And we're going to take hold of the truth so that now you're going to receive healing. The symptoms are going to leave your body. Things that have had a hold on you in different ways are going to be broken in these next few moments. Why? Because by faith, we believe in the one who is healing, who is freedom. So let's agree together. We take authority now over every sickness, every symptom, every diagnosis. We take authority over every lie of the enemy that says you won't be healed. Well, we cast that lie down right now in the name of Jesus. And we command our bodies now to be free from sickness. We, we command our bodies to be healed now. Symptoms of sickness to leave. Just take hold of what is yours, what has been won for you by Jesus. Take hold of what is yours right now. It is your right as a child of God to take hold of your healing because that is one of the gifts. That is one of the three things that God gives us. Health, wholeness, mentally, physically, emotionally. So Father, I thank you for that release of your healing grace into people's bodies, into their lives now in your mighty name. We take authority over that lie of the enemy that says you won't be free from whatever you need to be free from. That's a lie from the enemy. And we take authority over that and we break the power of that lie now. And we speak freedom. I speak freedom to you. That oppression that is sought to just push you down. We command that to lift off. There's some people who've just been under an oppression that's been increasing these last few weeks for different reasons in different ways. And as you just are there this morning in your home before the Lord right now, that oppression lifts off in Jesus' name. That depression lifts off right now in Jesus' name. We are not going to live under this stuff. We are not going to live as victims of that kind of stuff because we're children of God. We have a right to live free. We have a right to overcome because Jesus has overcome for us. And because He is in us, therefore we can overcome in Him and by Him and and through Him, because we are not victims. We are children of God. We are sons of God. We are heirs with Christ right now. And therefore, part of our inheritance is to live in the good of everything that Jesus has won for us and done for us and given to us freely. Father, I thank You right now for freedom all over the place, all over this region, in other areas and nations right now, as we respond to you, as we take hold of the life of who you are. Father, I thank you for breakthroughs now in people's homes and lives. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. 
Jesus, we thank you now. We exalt you. We lift your name over our lives. We lift your name over every lion taunt of the enemy. We thank you that your truth is the thing that liberates and brings freedom in our lives as we believe who you are, because the truth is who you are. It's not just the words you say. The words you say are because of who you are. And so we take hold of you in a fresh way this morning. Father, we thank you that your word is life to us. Your word is spirit and it is life to us this morning. And Father, I just thank you that you enable every one of us to hear your voice, to hear from you this morning, to receive from you this morning. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you give us the grace today to respond to you. Father, I thank you. Praise your name. Father, I thank you that your spirit is your breath breathed into us. Your spirit is your life given freely to us. I thank you that your spirit is the fire that is within us today. And I thank you for the fire of your spirit in every one of our lives today that burns up the rubbish, that burns up stuff that wants to distract us, that burns up the lies of the enemy. Father, I thank you for the fire of your spirit being fanned this morning in every one of our lives as we respond to you, as we say yes and amen to you, as we say yes to your word, yes to who you are, as we respond, as we hear your word, Father, not just at the end in a response, Father, but right now, moment by moment, as we respond to you, the fire of your spirit increases in us. Jesus, we thank you that you are present in every home now. I thank you for your tangible presence right now in every home, in every life. Father, I thank you that you reveal this morning who you are to every person, including people that are part of our meeting this morning, meeting together that don't know you. Father, I thank you that you reveal who you are to them, the reality of who you are, the truth of who you are. Father, I thank you that you show them that you are real, that you're alive. Jesus, we exalt you. We exalt you. We exalt you, Jesus. We praise your mighty name. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Lord. Oh, just lift your hands. Lift your hands to Him right now as a, as a kind of, not just a gesture, as a token, but lift your hands in adoration to the King of Kings, to the Lord of Lords, to the everlasting, almighty living God who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The one who is worthy of all praise, all adoration. The one that is holy. The one that is mighty. The one that is righteous. The one that is everlasting. The one that is the majesty.
Jesus, I never, ever want to take you for granted. I never, ever want to become complacent towards you. I never, ever just want to tip my hat to you or give you the fag end of my time or my life. Jesus, you are, as your word says, my all in all. Without you, Jesus, I am totally lost. Without you, Jesus, I have no purpose. Without you, Jesus, I have no meaning. Without you, Jesus, as your word says, I'm just like a piece of chaff in the wind that comes and goes for a few short years on earth and then disappear into an eternity without you. But with you, Jesus, with you, Father, with you, Holy Spirit, I find life meaning, purpose, hope, fulfillment, satisfaction, a reason to be alive, a reason to live, a reason to get up in the morning, a reason to be a blessing to others, a reason to not live a life that's all about me, but to live a life that's all about you, expressing your heart and your life to others. What a, what a life to be given, what a life to receive, what a purpose to have, that life is not to be all consumed by me, but it's a life to be consumed with you. And Holy Spirit, I thank you right now for your overflowing life, that you would move in every heart and life right now, that we wouldn't just be full of you, we'd be overflowing with you. Your overflowing life would just flow out to the others in the room we're in, or others that we know, Father, as we connect in different ways through social media, or meeting in our homes or gardens, wherever we are. Father, I thank you for that overflowing life that is more than we need on our own. It's more than enough. Oh, Jesus, 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 you, you gave to us without measure, without limit. For the joy that was set before you, you endured the cross. dealing with all the shame, scorning all the shame connected to it. So that we may live, so that we might have life in you, Jesus. What an undeserving gift that you have given us of yourself. And we deserve nothing in and of ourselves, but yet you as the gift of eternal life, you, Jesus, as the promise 
from the Father into our lives, the gift of life and salvation and healing and fullness and hope and purpose. You in our lives give the meaning, the very essence of what life is all about. We thank you that we've received freely. We've received without having to earn it, without having to do anything for it, except surrender everything. And you freely give of yourself. You forgive, you heal, you bring freedom. You set the captive free. You pour your spirit into us. You release your life into us. You give everything of who you are without measure into our lives. Even though we are like empty vessels that don't deserve anything. You come, you fill, you abide, you remain, you reside, you inhabit, you consume, you fill to overflowing. Jesus, we are in awe of you, in awe of you, in awe of you, in awe, just wherever you are, meet with him if you're not already. Just engage with Him, close your eyes. Some of you might be already on your knees. Some of you might just be totally surrendering to Him. Some of you might be on your face before Him. He is the Holy One. Therefore, your life, if you know Jesus, has become holy ground. Your life has become holy ground because the Holy One lives in you and abides in you. You've now become a holy ground. A vessel for His honour, a vessel for His glory. A vessel that carries the very essence and nature and character of Christ wherever you go. Because He's made us holy vessels. We've become holy ground. Jesus, we are yours. Father, we might not be together in a room somewhere, all together, but we are in our own rooms with you and you are with us right now. Jesus, thank you that you are arresting us this morning. You are arresting us this morning. You have our attention, Jesus. Revealing, showing us, reminding us of who you are.
that this is what it's all about, who you are. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Hebrews 12, one says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, who are those witnesses? In the previous chapter is all of the men and women of faith that have gone before us, that lived by faith because they lived with promises, they lived with the vision, they lived with the reality of God in their day, in their generation, believing for something that seemed impossible in their day that they were alive. In the same way that we're believing to see things that seem to be impossible in our day, in our society, in our generation. The previous chapter says they lived and died in faith. Constantly pursuing the one that is the God of one generation to the next. Fulfilling His Word in every generation into the next generation. And we now in our generation, in our time, we pick up that baton that's been passed on to us in our generation of time. To live as people of faith, to live like they were, a people that were totally given, a people of tenacity. That we're not going to give up in any way, shape or form on who God is, what His Word says, the promises that He's given, the things we're living for to see in our day and in our hour that we are alive for, the baton that's been put into our hands during this our lives. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, those that are cheering us on, it says they're witnesses, those that have seen and heard, they're ch shouting us on in our time right now, saying, let us, and, and the word says, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. What are we doing this morning? Throwing off everything that could hinder. That's how we started the meeting as Anna led us, throwing off everything that could hinder. In the worship, what are we doing? We're worshiping Jesus. We're throwing off everything else that wants to take first place, that wants to take in something in our lives. And we're exalting, worshiping, honoring Him, setting Jesus right at the center of our lives. throwing off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles so that we can run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Jesus has marked out a race for you and I to be running, to be living. We're going to come to that in a bit. 
But then in verse two, it says, let us fix our eyes on Jesus. That's what we're doing right now. Fixing our eyes on Him. We're consumed with Him. When you fix your eyes on one thing, difficult to be distracted onto something else when your eyes are fixed in a certain direction. It then says, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. He's the author of life. He's the author of our faith, what we believe what we have a conviction of. Who for the joy set before him, as we've already read, endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. We've been meeting with God in his throne room. Because that's what it means to be a child of God. It means to be a throne room person. Then in verse three, consider him, that's Jesus, who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Why does the writer to the Hebrews say, fix your eyes on Jesus? Because where you fix your eyes determines then what you see, what you perceive, what you then think, how you speak, how you act. Because the writer to the Hebrews understands when you listen to the lies of the enemy, you grow weary, and you then lose heart. When you focus on circumstances, you grow weary and lose heart. When you focus on your feelings, how am I doing today? I'm not feeling too good. You grow weary and you lose heart. When you listen or believe the facts in a situation and not the truth, what happens is you grow weary and you lose heart. Why is worshiping Jesus so important? Because when you worship Him, you lift your head up, you lift your eyes up, you fix your eyes and your life on who He is and you remind yourself, this is who Jesus is, this is who you are. And the perspective of everything in your life changes in that moment because you're reminding yourself, you're declaring, you're speaking, you're worshiping the one who is salvation, the one who is forgiveness, the one who is the healer, the one who is your freedom, the one who is and the one who deals with everything negative and you're reminding yourself, no, He's the one that I'm worshipping, the one who has overcome everything. And as I worship Him, as I fix my eyes on Him, the flow of the life of who He is, the flow of the truth of who He is comes in and overtakes, overcomes and pushes out all of the rubbish that tries to take a hold of me every moment of the day. Because we're living in a real world of challenge and struggle. That's why it's so important to worship the one 
who has overcome every struggle and challenge, that enables us to walk through struggle and challenge in a, in a way of victory, to overcome, to come through the other side with a story and a testimony that says, this is how good God is. This is who He is. I came into this, but He took me through it and I came out the other side. Why do we need those stories? Because the world needs to know. This is who God is. This is who Jesus is. And if He can do it in me, He can do it in you. John 6, 63 says, The Spirit gives life. The Spirit, this is Jesus speaking. The Spirit gives life. And then He says, The flesh counts for nothing. Anything we try and do in our own strength counts for nothing. It won't lead us to anything, doesn't release anything positive in our lives. He says, the Spirit gives life, the flesh counts for nothing. But then what does He say in relation to the Spirit giving life? The words I speak, uh, the words I've spoken to you, they are Spirit and they are life to you. God's Word is spirit and life into our mortal bodies. This body that one day is going to fade away has someone in it that's eternal. And so when you give your life to Jesus, His eternal life comes into this mortal body. As He speaks His Word into our lives, as we read His Word, as we hear His Word, as we meditate on His Word, as we feed on His Word, it's like His Spirit and life infuses us into our life and it snubs out lies. It snubs out the rubbish of the enemy. It snubs out the facts of the circumstances because we feed on that which is life to us. What we sow to, what we feed on, determines who we are and how we live. What we sow to in our lives it is what takes root in our lives. And as you sow the truth of who Jesus is, as you take time to read, meditate and mull over His Word, it doesn't matter, it's not about reading chapters and chapters, it's about reading the living Word in the Word. <clears throat> and as you sow the Word, the Word takes root in your spirit. The Word takes root in your life. And as His Word takes root, what grows up? The truth of who He is in you grows up. And it's living water, it's life in you. So that when challenges come, when circumstances change, when there is a bad report, when you need to minister to somebody else, what comes out is His life. Because that's what's been sown on the inside. Psalm 119 verse 9 says, How can a young man keep his way pure? How can any person keep his way pure? Not just a young person, 
But how can a young man or a person keep his way pure? He says here, by living according to your word. The key word there is living according, not knowing your word, but living according to your word. What is the key to that verse? In the next verse, it gives us the key. I seek you with all of my heart. That's the key to verse nine. How do I live pure? By living according to the word. What's the key to that? I seek you with all of my heart. And with that desire and longing, the next part of that verse, the cry in the, in the, the writer here says, do not let me stray from your commands. I don't want to live outside of your truth. I don't want to live outside of what you're saying. I don't want to live outside of the life that is in your word because anything outside of who you are and what you say is only going to bring, try and bring death into my life. It's, trying to, it's going to try and steal from me, rob from me, destroy me in some way. So Jesus, I want to seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands because when you're speaking, what your commands are life, your word is life into my life. Then there's another key that follows. Verse 11. I've hidden your word in my heart. I've hidden your word in my heart. It doesn't say in my head. He says, I've hidden your word in my heart, in my very being. Your word is hidden. It's there like a seed that grows up into fruition. And what does, the, what does that then do? I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Wow. Three powerful verses in Psalm 119, verses 9, 10 and 11. The key to living godly, a key to living holy, a key to living in the way that Jesus wants us to live. And what does Jesus say in John chapter three? He's speaking to Nicodemus, one of the key leaders of the religious leaders, one of the, a Pharisee. He's having a conversation with him. And he says in verse five, to Nicodemus, I tell you the truth, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and the spirit. And the guy is a bit confused. He's told, he said, well, I, how can I be born of my mother again? And, and he's not understanding. And then Jesus says, flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. All of us have been born naturally. And I'm sure most of us connected in this morning have been born spiritually. 
And for those of you that haven't been, you don't know Jesus, God wants you to have a second birth in your life. You've had a first one when you came into this world, but God wants there to be a second birth in your life. It might sound a bit weird, or funny language, but that second birth is when you give your life to Jesus and He gives His life to you. His life is then birthed in you and a new life begins in you at that moment because His life comes into you. That's what the phrase says. And Jesus says this to to Nicodemus so that you can be born again. This new life can come into you. But then in verse 8, what does Jesus say to this Pharisee? What does he say to this guy? He says, the wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. I just want to read some things to you that I believe God was saying to me over the last couple of weeks in relation to that verse. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound. You can't see it, but you can't tell where it comes from, where it's going. So is everyone born of the Spirit. This is what I believe God said to me. He said, the church, my church, my people were never meant to be a program, a structure, a meeting. What I had in mind was a people filled with my spirit, on fire with a passion, ready for anything. A people who know me, a people who believe who I am, people who believe what I say, and therefore who they are in me. People who who do not live like the world, who do not want all that the world has to offer, but are satisfied in and with me. People who do not want to fit in because they're living outside the confines of the pull of the culture around them. My church are a people who I've called to be like a water course that can be directed in different directions to flow with what I'm doing at any given time or any given moment. My purposes are not on hold until the church reopens its doors on a Sunday or gathers together in a big meeting. This time has been very out of the box for many, even a struggle and a challenge. But they have been days of proving, honing, refining and preparing for the days ahead. My church is a people on the move, not a meeting in a building. My church is a people that carry the life and power of who I am out into the world. 
And until believers really believe and grasp this reality, many will still be waiting for the church to return to normal. Pentecost was power to the people. It wasn't just for a few, it was for all. The church was birthed to live turned inside out. My people were empowered and released to go to bring change and transformation to the world. And that same power is at work today in my church, available to all that are willing, available and ready. But for much of the church, it's become too comfortable, even self-centered, full, but not overflowing. Better to know a little and put it into good use than to know a lot, but keep it to yourself. My church is going to be much leaner going forward. There won't be room for excess anything that is not needed. 1 Corinthians 9, 24 to 27 says, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it, we run this race to get a crown that's gonna last forever. Therefore, I don't run like, a, like someone running aimlessly. I don't fight like a boxer just beating the air. No, I beat my body. What does that mean? What it means is I keep my body in the right place, in submission to the Spirit. I don't let my body dictate what I do. I let the spirit dictate and lead. I beat my body. I keep it in its right place and make it a slave, make it a servant. So that after I preach to others, I myself might not be disqualified for the price. What's, what's Paul saying there? He's saying, I want to live my life in such a way that everything is submitted and surrendered. My mind, my heart, my emotions, my body, my whole being is submitted. Why? Because I want to live a revival life. I want to live a life that is set apart. I understand that I'm not here just for a few years to kind of have God with me, but still live life my way. I understand that to be a born again believer, to be a Christian, to live on, life, live on earth, a life in relationship with God means I surrender all, I surrender everything to who He is. Because this body, this life now belongs to Him. It's not my own, it's not mine to do what I want with. It's His to do whatever He wants to do with it. And so I, I beat my body, I surrender, I keep it in place so that He has the Lordship. He has the dominion. He has the majesty. He has the right to do with it whatever He wants because it belongs to Him. When a runner trains for the goal of winning, he strips off anything that is not needed. 
He sheds any unnecessary weight. His schedule and lifestyle change to fit the purpose to which He is giving Himself to. And I believe God is saying, this is what I'm doing in my church at this time. I'm making her fit for purpose. I'm stripping away anything she doesn't need and taking her through a weight loss program, dealing with busyness, fruitless activities, self-centeredness, and over input that has led to not enough output because there's been too much consumption without there being a release. A runner eats for health, strength, stamina and speed. The diet of the church needs to be for spiritual health, to be able to run the race that I am setting out, to last the distance and to overcome anything that seeks to stop or stand in the way. And as we read, uh, said earlier, what you feed on is what you become. What you feed determines the hunger and the desire that grows within you. So what is this race that has been marked out? We've read it, it's come out in different scriptures. What is this race marked out for us? There's two things that Jesus said that I believe they're the same thing, but he says them in two different ways that I believe are the race marked out that he has given us as believers individually and as the church together. First one is this, Matthew 6, 33. Seek first his kingdom. This is what Jesus is speaking in the context where he, he before he says, don't worry about tomorrow. Don't worry about your life. Don't worry about this, that and the other. My father knows everything that you need. He knows a bird that falls out of the sky. He knows every jot and tittle. He knows everything that you need. And in that context, he says, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things, all the daily needs will be given to you as well. Seek first. This is what this morning is about. Seek first, seek first, seek first his kingdom and righteousness. But then there's something else that Jesus said that is exactly the same thing as to what does this look like to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. It's in Matthew 28 and we know it is the Great Commission. And as I've used that word, don't switch off and go, yeah, I know that verse. Because to seek first His kingdom of righteousness is to live the Great Commission, Matthew 28, where Jesus says, Go, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son and Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you and I'll be with you to the very end of the age. Those two verses are the same thing. To seek first His kingdom and righteousness is to go and make this. What does that mean to go? It means to put others first. It means to put Him first. It means to go and seek His kingdom extended, moving forward into other people's lives. But often many Christians live the other way around. They're waiting for everything they think they need or even want before they go and get on with the job of what we've been given. It's amazing. If we seek first His kingdom and righteousness, He said everything else would be added. If we live the Great Commission, we'll have everything that we need. 
You'll have a sound mind. You'll have a healthy body. You'll have stable emotions. You'll have food on the table. You have a roof over your head. Your practical needs will be met because you can never outgive God. <laughs> you can't outgive Him. If you go after Him and His purposes, He'll go after you and make sure that you have everything you need. Paul the Apostle said, I've learned to be content when I have more than enough, but I've also learned to be content when I am in need. So your spirituality, your measure is not based on whether you have loads or whether you don't have enough. Your spirituality is not based on whether you feel good or whether you feel rubbish today. Your spiritual life is determined by who He is in you as a child of God. The confidence that gives us to stand up in Him and say to the enemy, shut your gob, I'm not going to listen to you. I've got something more important to get on with. That's to know the King of Kings and to serve Him and to be a blessing to others. And when you begin to live your life inside out like that, you'll be amazed at what begins to happen in you because of what is coming out through you. Let's just pray. I know many of you have been meeting and responding to Him, but let's just pray right now. Father, we're here before You. You know what we're all doing in our homes. Father, I thank You for Your presence. I thank You for Your Spirit. We've already been giving over some rubbish to Him earlier in our lives. The lies of the enemy, sickness, stuff. We've been giving over that already. And what's God been doing this morning? He's been putting fuel on the fire. He's been putting fuel on the fire of your life this morning. He's been speaking His Word by His Spirit, fanning into flame the gift that is on the inside of you. It's Him is the gift. And He's been speaking and fanning Himself into flame. And as you and I have been saying, yes and amen, yes God, yes God, yes God. Do that in me. That's who I want to be. That's how I want to live. As you've been responding like that with a yes in you, God has been working. God has been doing stuff. Just make a decision this morning. Father, today, this week, I want to live set apart. I live in the world, but I'm not of it any longer. Maybe for some there's been a challenge this morning and maybe there's been some conviction, convicting by the Holy Spirit <clears throat> of some stuff we've been giving ourselves to or allowing space of in our lives. And maybe this morning it's just a, a fresh wake up from the Holy Spirit, a fresh prod from the Holy Spirit this morning, a fresh reminder. Hey, hey, come on, come on. Remember who you are. Remember you're a child of God. Remember you're a son of God. Remember you're a saved person. Remember you're a holy person. Remember that your life is holy ground. And it's been a reminder this morning to say, hey, thanks, Holy Spirit. Thanks, Holy Spirit. You remind me, it's, it's like a, a fresh, if I can put it this way, you know, maybe sometimes we need that, you know, it's, oh yeah, right, right. I'm not going to give room for the enemy in any way. What I want to do is give room for God. So maybe just whatever you're doing, standing, kneeling, lying, sitting, whatever you're doing, Jesus, I'm yours afresh. 
Come and take hold of what belongs to you in a fresh way. I want to live set apart this week. I want to live in tune with you this week. I want to live a revival life this week. I want to live as a person being revived constantly by you. Keeping short accounts, not letting things build up, but keeping short, keeping short accounts. So I'm living clean, living fresh. So the fragrance that flows brings life to others all around me, whether they know you, whether they don't. If you're watching this morning and you don't know Jesus, this is a great moment to surrender everything to Him. Becoming a Christian is everything. It's not just I'll give you a bit and see how I get on. Becoming a Christian, following God, knowing Him, it's all or nothing. You give Him everything or don't give Him anything. If you don't know Him this morning, you can simply come to Him and say, Jesus, I don't understand everything I've heard this morning, but something's going off on the inside of me and I, uh, something's on the inside. Of, I've got to respond. I've got to give my life to Jesus. If you're still thinking and pondering and you've got questions, fine. That is brilliant. Take the time, ask all the questions that you need. But there are some of you this morning, you're sitting there and you're going, I've, I've got to give my life to Jesus today. I have to, I can't, I can't carry on unless I do that this morning. And I wanna help you right now, just wherever you are, say, Jesus, I'm here. I wanna know you. I wanna surrender, give you everything that that bloke is telling me I need to do. I want to give you everything now. Take all of who I am, everything. Forgive me, Jesus, for every sin that I've ever done, every lie I've told, every backstabbing I've done, every selfish attitude and motive that has driven my life. The way I've hurt people, damaged other lives, hated others. Jesus, forgive me for everything that I've done that has separated me from you. God, I need you in my life. God, I need you. I can't go any further without you. I must have you in my life now, today. Jesus, please come and fill me. Please come into my life right now. Take over, be Lord, have control. I want to be like that guy says on the, on the stream here this morning. I want to be full of you. I want to know you. God, I don't even know what the right words are. All I know is I want you. Father, I pray right now that you meet with every person who's crying out to you like that. Because I know, Father, when there's a cry like that in somebody's heart, there's massive transformation that takes place. There's something huge that happens because it's a cry from the heart. It's not just a few words from the head. It's a cry from the heart. And Jesus, I thank you that you meet with people right now in their homes as they cry out to you and say, God, I need you. 
Father, I just pray that there'd be a cry like that in every one of our lives in a fresh way. That there'd be a cry in us that we never take you for granted or tip our hats to you or take your presence for granted. That constantly in our lives we say, God, I need you in my life today. I don't want to live today without you. I don't want to live in my own strength in any way. I want to live full of you infused with you, overflowing with you, on fire with you, Jesus. Father, I thank you for a church on fire with you. Father, we praise your name. We exalt your name. We thank you, Lord. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for what you're doing. I thank you for that fresh release of your spirit today in every one of our hearts and lives. I thank you, Holy Spirit, you lead us this week. Be the leader of our lives this week in every way that we won't take steps without you, but we'd only take steps with you, following you, in step with you, in tune with you. Thank you, Lord. We praise your name. Father, I thank you that you blow every religious thing out of our lives, that you blow every religious thing out of our lives. Every sense of self-effort would just be blown out of our lives today. That this week would be a life lived totally reliant on you. Jesus, I don't want to take a step without you. I don't want to make a decision without you. I don't want to make a move without you in my life. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Jesus, we exalt you. And everybody said, Amen. Thank you for listening to this Kingdom Faith podcast. We trust it's been an encouragement to you. For more information and resources from Kingdom Faith and our other audio and video podcasts, please visit www.kingdomfaith.com.